called Plus Nothing in the book of Galatians, talking about the grace of God, which is Jesus Christ. Yes, children are dismissed to children's church. Thank you. But we're going to take a break from it today because the last few weeks, I've really felt God leading me to do something a little different. With everything that's been going on in my life and with my family, God's delivered to me just a different message, which I kept feeling God t- tugging on my heart and saying, you need to talk about this. You need to preach about this. But sometimes we get stuck on our own plans so much that you think, well, I don't want to get off my schedule. And that's how it is, especially when I know book studies, like this studying Galatians we've been doing, they can go on and on and on for so long. But I just knew after putting it off for a couple weeks and this, this still being here, that it wasn't just an emotional response. It was truly God saying, I'm using this to help you, and you need to share it to be able to help others. So I want to start today with opening up to Matthew chapter 14. And you're welcome to open to Matthew 14, or there's Bibles in front of you. Use your cell phones, your tablets if you like. I just ask you, stay focused on the Word of God. And ignore those notifications from Facebook or text from your moms. If they do text you, I'll give you permission to do one thing. Open the text and just say, you should be at church. We'd love to have you here. Matthew chapter 14. I want to read from verses 1 through 21. At that time, Herod the Tetrarch heard about the fame of Jesus. And he said to his servants, this is John the Baptist. He has been raised from the dead. That is why these miraculous powers are at work in him. For Herod had seized John and bound him and put him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. Because John had been saying to him, it is not lawful for you to have her. And though he wanted to put him to death, he feared the people because they held him to be a prophet. But when Herod's birthday came, the daughter of Herodias danced before the company and pleased Herod. So that he promised with an oath to give her whatever she might ask. Prompted by her mother, she said, Give me the head of John the Baptist here on a platter. And the king was sorry, but because of his oath and his guest, he commanded it to be given. He sent and had John beheaded in the prison. And his head was brought on a platter and given to the girl, and she brought it to her mother. And his disciples came and took the body and buried it. And they went and told Jesus, Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Now when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. They said to him, we have only five loaves here and two fish. And he said, bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. And taking the five loaves and two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up twelve baskets full of the broken pieces left over. And those who ate were about five thousand men, besides women and children. Thank you. Now there's a lot there. I mean, we can have sermons for weeks. This could be a whole other series just talking about the death of John the Baptist and what's going on there. 
And then talking about the miracle here of Jesus feeding the thousands. But we're actually not focusing on that today. I do want to make one mention, though, that in the end, when it says, and those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children, if you really study that verse, you need to notice that second part, besides women and children. Most commentators, most pastors, most people who study this say it could have been 13 to 18,000 people if you consider all of the spouses there and all the children there. So that gives this miracle even more power. But like I said, we're not specifically talking about John the Baptist or about the miracle. I want to address this more in a general idea, but let me catch you up a bit. You see, many of you know what's been going on with my brother Michael and his wife Andrea through the prayer chain or through small updates here from the pulpit. I really want to catch you up and let you know what we've been going through. You see, my brother Mike and Andrea have been married for roughly seven years, and now they're roughly 39 years old. But when they got married seven years ago, about two weeks before they got married, she was diagnosed with cancer. Now, this was really hard for her as her mom had recently, I believe in the past few years or uh, previous few years, had died from cancer herself. But just before they got married, she got diagnosed with cancer. All throughout their marriage, for seven years, they've been struggling with this cancer. They've been fighting this cancer. They've been doing every single treatment they could. They've been doing every trial treatment they could. And they continue to depend on God, to look to God for strength and for healing they're always praying for God to give them what they need. And we praise God for this. But then last year, my brother was diagnosed with colon rectal cancer himself. So now both of them are fighting cancer. My sister-in-law has had several times of remission or several times when they think they beat the cancer and it's gone. But then it, it moves on. It metastasizes. I believe that's the correct word, as hers was considered stage four because of that. Well, now she was in a bit of a time of remission over the breast cancer, and it had been moved into her liver. Again, they've been doing everything they can to keep it at bay, but that's about all it does. And now my brother has colon rectal cancer, and for the last year, he's been going through a lot of treatments himself and doing everything he can to try and get, the, get rid of this. Now, praise God, a couple weeks ago, he was able to have this cancer removed, the tumors removed. And the surgery went so well that the doctors said that they couldn't believe how well it went. In fact, they said the colonoscopy, uh, not colonoscopy, the colostomy bag that he got will only have to be temporary. So we praise God for this. But the very day after his surgery, his wife got transported to the hospital via ambulance because she hasn't been feeling good for weeks, but she's just been pushing herself, pushing herself because her husband was about to have surgery. Well, now they're both having, having, they're both in the hospital admitted, different floors, going through stuff. Mike's trying to recover, and Andrea is getting worse. Her lungs and her body just keep filling up with fluid because her liver is shutting down and not working properly. So they drain the fluid, and they continue to do work on her and the past couple weeks have been very hard as she continues to struggle through this. Why do I tell you all this? A, I want to let you know what's going on. Many of you keep asking me for updates. I want you to know right now, Andrea has been told that she probably only has a few days or a week left to live. The doctor says that only God really knows because she is young too. So she might continue to fight for a while. But we were able to go see her last week, and that's why Larry Gotham filled in. And again, thank you for 
your mercy that you gave us, your grace that you gave us as we stepped away. We could end up having to leave again for a funeral here soon. Christy's grandpa also isn't doing well, but he's in his 90s and, and is ready as well. We praise God that both Christy's grandpa and my brother and his wife all know Christ. But I do ask for your continued prayers as they continue to work through this. Mike is starting to accept the fact that his wife may be on her, his way out. But they've been married seven years. Seven years, all through that seven years struggling with this cancer. They need a lot of prayers, guys. They've really struggled. And they've prayed every step of the way for God to heal her. And now it looks like God's going to heal her, but in a different way, by taking her home. Mike's going to have a really hard time with this. And I realized as I went home to spend time with my brother how much of a hard time I've been having with this. And I maybe didn't want to admit it as much as I should have. Because when you're so far away from the situation, 12 hours away, it's a little easier to not get so attached to the emotion. But I still feel for my brother. I, heal, I hurt for my brother. So long story. And here's the reason why I felt like I needed to give this to you. A couple weeks ago, with our natural um, way of doing things, I was brought to Matthew chapter 14 in our Thursday morning Bible study. I read through this, and I noticed the different events going on. But specifically, I was caught by the two events of John the Baptist and his death, and Jesus in this miracle of feeding the thousands. But more specifically, what I took from this, this, this section of Scripture, which has so much to see is something that we often overlook. You see, we're not talking specifically of the thousands. What we're talking about is this, verse 13 and 14. Now, when Jesus heard this, now this, I want you to know this, what he's talking about is when Jesus heard about John's death, when John's disciples came and told Jesus what had happened here, he, meaning Jesus, withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and had compassion on them and healed their sick. A desolate place. That's what we're focusing on this morning, is a desolate place. And you see, there's several things we can look to here. There's several different directions we can go. And we're going to talk about a couple different directions. But specifically, what I want you to focus on is that verse. A desolate place. You see, Jesus cared about John so much. Jesus loved him so much. This wasn't just John the Baptist. Jesus cared for John as a godly messenger doing his father's work, his work. He also cared for him as a relative. He also cared for him as a friend. He also just cared for him as a man of God. And here's one thing I think we can see from this. It's a great example of how much Jesus cares for us too. Because we are all his creation. We're all sons and daughters of the king. We're all brothers and sisters in Christ. Jesus cared so much about John the Baptist that when he heard this news, he went to a desolate place. Now, a desolate place can be something very bad if you catch yourself in a desert somewhere or in the middle of nowhere with no food, no water, no company. They have TV shows about how to survive in the wilderness for so many days and so many of them fail because they don't have truly what they need. But what we're talking about is, with a desolate place here is Jesus withdrew. He went to the total other side of the lake by boat to be alone. 
Now, depending on what scripture you look at, it does, it does say that he took his disciples with him. And there could have been several different purposes here. It could have been to talk with his disciples about what had happened. To go over with them what could be happening to them, what would be happening to them in the future. As they lived for him and did ministry for the Father, as they did God's will. They would all be persecuted, martyred, killed for their faith. Except for John, um, who would be exiled and die on ex in exile. But still went through great persecution and pain. There's many things Jesus could have gone through right here. But what I really want to focus on, Jesus went to a desolate place. He went to get his mind off of things that maybe were going on. And to be replenished through time with his closest disciples, his close family, and to be replenished with solitude, time with the Father. You see, we too, when grieving or going through a struggle, need to look to this example from Christ and find a desolate place. Jesus himself knew the great importance of a desolate place. And so he led his disciples here to be able to give them the very same example don't you think that if Jesus knew the importance when grieving, when hearing of bad news, when going through a struggle of going to a desolate place, then maybe we should listen. Maybe we need to realize that sometimes it's good for us also to go to a desolate place. Because sometimes we just continue to push ourselves and push ourselves and push ourselves. And we think, we don't need a desolate place. We can just keep on pushing on our own. We have all the strengths we need. We have great family and friends who lift us up. But the problem is just that. We're never truly going to be replenished without going to a desolate place where God is in our presence. Where we're in the presence of God. And don't get me wrong, we're always in the presence of God, but sometimes we're so busy not being in a desolate place. And with so many things going on that we fail to recognize that we're in the presence of God. Sometimes we need a desolate place to truly focus on our struggles, our grieving and our great God. Allow him to give you all that you need. Continually, we see Jesus withdrew from people, withdrew from daily life activities and the demands of his ministry to be alone with the Father and pray. Jesus' solitude and silence is a major theme throughout the Gospels. The priority of Jesus' solitude and silence is everywhere in the Gospels. It's how he began his ministry. It's how he made important decisions. It's how he dealt with troubling emotions like grief. It's how he dealt with the constant demands of his ministry and cared for his soul. It's how he taught his disciples. It's how he prepared for important ministry events. It's how he prepared for death on the cross. And as he wept tears of blood in communion and solitude, prayer, and a desolate place with his father. Jesus' solitude is how he went deeper in the relationship with the God that he knew as Abba, his father. And Jesus invites us to do the same thing. So my question for you is this. Do you have a desolate place? Where is your desolate place? Does your desolate place bring you closer to God's presence? Or do you distance yourself from him in your desolate place? Because a desolate place can be a good thing as it gives you all you need. Like I said, people fail to survive in those situations when they don't have the water, they food, the, the water and food that they need. But if your desolate place has all the resources you need, you can continue to live on forever and you can be replenished 
That is the desolate place which brings you into the presence of God. And we need that place. So what should you do in your desolate place? Again, we continue to look to Jesus. Jesus would often pray and focus on God's will. He would ask, for God, he would ask God for strength. He would have silence and listen to the Father. He would listen for God's will and not just his own. He would, re, he would be replenished through his, his, this presence with the Father. Do we do the same? Or are we too busy looking to ourselves or our own wills or too busy talking that we're not opening ourselves up and just saying, Lord God, replenish me. Lord, give me all that I need to continue on doing your work, to continue on doing your will, to continue on glorifying you through all of this. All of this. We must have a desolate place to go and to allow ourselves to properly focus on God, his word, his will. And to receive the replenishment. You see, I was going through a struggle myself. Maybe I didn't want to admit it as much as I should have. As I'm further away from the situation, but it really hit me hard when I went home. And then you're close to family. You're close to what's going on. You realize just how much it is, it is impacting you. Seven years they've been married. We praise God that they both know Christ as their Lord and Savior. And she's going to move on to being in his presence for all of eternity but this is still going to be very hard on them it's going to be very hard on all the family so again i thank you for your prayers and continuing to remember this but i also urge you to use the example that god gave me we need a desolate place to be able to focus on god to have his presence and to be replenished but here's the second part of this guys the other direction you see, it's okay to focus on our struggles, our grief. It's okay to mourn and even cry. It's a natural grievance process. But we should not be so focused on our own struggle that we fail to see the opportunities that God's giving us to bless others and to have compassion on them. Here's the other part of this. You see, as Jesus went to this desolate place by himself with disciples, when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. He didn't even get to the, the desolate place they talked about. Before he even landed the boat, there were people there waiting on him. And we see that Jesus had compassion on them. Like I said, that's a whole other sermon on Jesus defeating the thousands. But I want you to just see that idea. I'll say it again. It's okay to focus on our struggles, our grief. It's okay to mourn or cry. But we must not be so focused on us and our grieving that we miss the opportunities that God has for us to have compassion on others. Through having this compassion on others, through being God's hands and feet, through doing his work, it not only just helps other people, but also helps us. It helps, us deli it helps deliver us away from our problems. It helps us to focus on God's greater picture. It helps to bring us joy as we get to help others. It's no, I mean, everybody knows around Christmas time, everybody talks about how much more fun it is to give others gifts than to receive yourself. God knows how much of a blessing it can be to use us for other people. Now, sometimes we do need to focus on ourselves. We need that desolate place. We need to get right with God. We need to focus on him. 
But other times, it's time to get out of that desolate place. But don't leave God in that. Leave God with you. Jesus had compassion on his people. Jesus and his disciples went by boat to a desolate place. And here's the thing, guys. I think of Jesus arriving. I think Jesus could have said to the people, no, look, I'm done. I'm sorry you walked all this way. You walked double the distance that we just went by boat. But I'm busy. I need my desolate place. I need my, my relaxation. I need to talk to my disciples. I need to get replenished. I need to get food and drink. Jesus had every excuse in the world. Not that he'd need an excuse. But Jesus had many reasons to be able to turn them away. But he didn't do this. God, Jesus led them. Jesus healed them. Jesus discipled them. Jesus had compassion on them. God may be looking to lead you out of your grief by using your grief to help other people too. We need to look to glorifying God with our life. And sometimes we're so busy being focused on our problems that we don't look to how God can use our problems to glorify him and to accomplish his will. So again, there's so much more we could say with this scripture, but we need to wrap it up. So I want to end with this thought of a desolate place. I'm going to put up a picture here. It doesn't, I should have made it bigger. But when you search this scripture on Google, you'll find this picture of Jesus in what they portray as a desolate place. Just focusing on God, focusing on his creation. And then when you surf my Facebook page, <laughs> you'll see that picture of me in a desolate place. That's actually in Red River Gorge, Kentucky, on a youth group hiking trip, camping trip. And I just put my hammock up there, and I just enjoyed God's creation too. Going back now, do you have a desolate place, which allows you to focus less on yourself and more on God? Your desolate place must be in the presence of God, or it does more damage than good. We're always going to be damaged when we don't have God in our life, when we're not looking to him to help us with every choice, when we're not looking for his will above our own. God created the world. He created everything in it, and he is in control of it. He must be our refuge. Let me read to you this, and I'll wrap up. Psalm 46 says this, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. You see, God being your refuge is a refuge which will never fall into the sea. It will never be blown over. It will never be destroyed because God created it all. God created the weather. God created the earth. He created the seas. Nothing can destroy the refuge which is God and being in his presence. May your desolate place lead you to him, but may we also not be so focused on getting into our own desolate place that we fail to see how God wants to use you to have compassion on his people. Allow God to be your refuge today. Let me close in prayer, and you'll be dismissed to Sunday school. Lord God, we thank you for this day, and we thank you for being reminded of a desolate place and how Jesus after hearing the news of John the Baptist's death, he knew they needed a break. Despite everything that was going on around him, he knew that he needed to take a break and go to a desolate place. 
Lord, may we not be so focused on ourselves and our own control, our own strength, that we fail to see our weakness should leave us, lead us to you. We need a desolate place. But may we also look to the example Jesus gives us that sometimes we're not going to get to the desolate place. And that's okay because sometimes you have a better will for us, a better plan for us. And that plan is to have compassion on your people by doing your will in your ministry. May you continue to work through us each and every single day. And may we continue to glorify you with our lives. Thank you for giving us a refuge, which is you in your presence one which replenishes us with all we need. It's in your holy and powerful name we pray, and all God's people said, amen. Thank you. You're dismissed.